but I want to talk to you about the Word of God. And normally that's what we do when we preach, right, is we, t- we get into the Word of God. But I want to talk about what the Word of God says about the Word of God. Because here's the thing. We are people of the Word. Now, hear me very carefully. We are not... A, is, it, is it cold? I see somebody, somebody shivering. Okay. Uh, Richard, would you, would you bump that up a degree on the thermostat? Sorry, the, the temperature is so weird outside right now, it's hard to get it just right on the inside. Uh, we are people of the Word today. Now, that is where our identity comes from. Not by our political affiliation, not by our race, not by where we live, not by our age group, none of that is our first identity. Our first identity is that we belong to Christ, the Word of God. And so He has revealed Himself as God's living Word, and as we read the written Word of God, we know Him. We we come to know Him and be associated with Him. We are people of the Word. And listen, we, we have to understand that the Bible is central to everything that we are, especially in these last days. In these last days, we are dealing with a culture that is coming apart. And, and it began, well, it didn't begin, but it, it began to take, um, it gained momentum when the idea of absolute truth began to be taken from our cultural consciousness, that everything is relative, that there's nothing that is, that is definite. And so, and so when we start dealing with uh, this, this insecurity of not having a steady foundation, everything else in our lives begins to fall apart. That is why that we must hang on to the Word of God, especially in these latter days. Let me show you what I'm talking about. In 2 Timothy 3, we're going to read the first five verses and then skip down a little bit. It says, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, Rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. Skip down to verse 12. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evildoers and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Does any of this sound familiar? These are the days we're living in. And and it's so easy to panic over this. In fact, if you get on social media or anything, you see people are panicking over this. We are freaking out as a nation. And so we have the question now, what do we do? How do we respond to all of this? And That's a complicated answer, but there is a foundational answer for every one of us. 
The Scriptures, and here's what we have to understand, we don't need to be panicking about the day we live in because the Scriptures told us two millennia ago that these things would happen. God foresaw it, God predicted it, and God warned us about it, and God told us what to do about it. So what did He say we should do? Well, let's look at verse 14. Now, remember, this is in the context of the bad days that we live in. Verse 14, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it and from how infancy and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So where do we begin to deal with this this chaos that we live in today? It begins simply by hanging on to the Word of God and not letting go. This is where it begins. We don't need a new answer. We need to hold on to the answer we've had all along. He says in response to all this that's going on now and people going from bad to worse, what do you do? He says continue. Continue. Everybody say continue. What does continue mean? It means to don't change anything. Just keep going the way you're going. Continue in the Word of God. Continue in the Scriptures. Hold on to God's Word. It is the anchor that keeps us from being swept away in the storm. It is the compass that leads us in the right direction. And it is the foundation that keeps us from falling. So let's break down what this passage says about God's Word. The first thing in verse 16, it says, All Scripture is God-breathed. The Scriptures are God's Word. The Scriptures are God's Word. This is not just ancient literature written by men. This is not just philosophical writings. This is the living, breathing, living Word of God. In the, in the Greek, <coughs> the term, it literally is God-breathed. Some translations say it's given by inspiration of God, and that is a good way to translate it, but quite literally, the term is all Scripture has been breathed out by the Holy Spirit. So understand this, when you read this word, you say, well, then how come when I read Matthew, it sounds different than when I read Paul or I read John? Because their writing styles are different and they emphasize different things and, and you can see different things in their personality. How come, I, how come there's differences if, God's, if God gave all of this? It's because when God breathed upon them, the Bible says that, that God moved upon the writers of the Scriptures in such a way that He didn't just possess them and dictate. The Holy Spirit interacted. Think about how God works with us today. The devil possesses. The devil takes over, right? God leads. God moves gently and interacts with us. And he moved upon these ancient writers in such a way 
that their personalities and their emphases and their experience and their education and all of that is reflected in the text so that it is completely their words, but at the same time, it is God supernaturally breathing upon them and speaking through them so that it is also entirely the Word of God. Think about it like this. Jesus is called the Word of God, and yet He is fully God and fully man. He is God incarnate, okay? In the same way, the written Word of God is written completely by man and completely by God at the same time. And so when we, when, we, when we see these different authors that have these different personalities reflecting in what they write, you understand, it just shows us how big our God is, that God can take different people, more than 60 people across the span of thousands of years, and have them write in such a way that each distinctive personality is reflected, but all of it fits together perfectly to be one cohesive revelation. That's how big our God is. And that is what he gives us in his word. So just picture the Holy Spirit breathing upon those human writers of scripture. That breath bringing life and the wind of the spirit moving through them. Is it the word of man or is it the word of God? Yes, it's both. And so think about this. The Bible is the best preserved ancient document in all of history. It has been banned burned, outlawed, confiscated, criticized, scrutinized, ridiculed, and rejected. It's been called outdated, irrelevant, and unnecessary. But in spite of those who wish to ignore it and those who want it to go away, the Word of God has endured and is more available today than ever in all of recorded history. It has been translated into 531 languages so far, and 2,883 other languages have portions of it. And get this, it's even been translated into Klingon. <laughs> Seriously. See, I'm not the only Christian nerd out there. Somebody translated into Klingon. So <clears throat> one day I'm going to read it in Klingon in, in, a, scripture, in, in a sermon, so... So anyway, so the Bible is the most widely translated, the most widely uh, distributed book in all of history. Isaiah 40 verse 8 says, The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. Hallelujah. There comes a point where every single one of us has to make that decision for ourselves. Are we going to trust the word of God for ourselves? Everything in our walk with God depends on what we do with this book. And see, this is part of this unanchoring to truth that we see in spirituality today. Not necessarily, not hopefully not in Christian circles so much, but spirituality today is this emotional experience. It's this, you know, God is whatever you need him to be kind of thing. And you say, well, I don't need the Word. I mean, I just I have these experiences with God. You know, the Bible tells us that we can be deceived by demonic spirits impersonating the Spirit of God. The Bible says that Lucifer even presents himself as an angel of light. So we can't anchor our experiences with God based just on the experience. It has to be established in the God-breathed living Word. 
The Scriptures are God's Word. The Scriptures, number two, give God's wisdom. Again, in verse 16, it says, Scripture is useful for teaching. Or uh, in some translations, it's doctrine. The word for teaching carries the idea of the body of our teaching, our doctrine, our, our set of beliefs. We, we sometimes want to shy away from words like doctrine and say, well, I just want, I just want the Bible. I don't want to get into doctrine. And, and we say, well, you know, I, I, just want, I, I don't want to get into all these doctrinal issues. But the minute you declare that Jesus is the Son of God, come in the flesh, you're dealing with doctrine, right? You're dealing with theology. And so, and so we have to understand that, that what we believe must come from this Word. And, it must, and our body of teaching must come from what the Word of God reveals to us about God. Not what we want to believe about God, but what Scripture tells us about God. So it carries this idea of our whole set of beliefs. But it's more than just a list of what we believe about God. It's more than just a list of ideas about Jesus or heaven or hell or the end times. The Jewish rabbi called his body of teaching a yoke. And, and that's what Jesus was referring to when he said, take my yoke upon you. It was more than just theological facts to memorize. It was truths upon which to build our lives. That our lives are meant to be built upon the foundation of everything that is revealed to us in Scripture. You have to understand, the Bible defines who you are. When we see this as the revelation of God, it's more than just good ideas. When the Bible declares that he who knew no sin became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God, righteousness of God in him through Christ. When it says that uh, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That is the revelation of God declared over us. And so our lives become defined by what God has declared over us. In other words, I don't feel very righteous. I'm still stuck in my past. I'm still beating myself up over my past. It's, why do we do that? It's because we're not walking in the revelation of what God revealed to us. When God says that you are the righteousness of God in Him, in Christ... When God says that old things are passed away and all things have become new, we build our lives upon that truth. We choose to believe that and accept that by faith. We become people of the Word, defined by the Word of God. If the Bible, if it says it about you, then that's who you are. <clears throat> the Scriptures give us God's wisdom. We can memorize scriptures without building our lives on them. This, this, these, our, our Bible quiz teams, this is such a great foundational thing. But understand, just by memorizing the scripture, that's the first step. That's the foundational step. But that's, it's only the first step. You have to act on it. You have to embrace it. You have to accept it. I mean, the Bible knows the, or excuse me, the devil knows the Bible better than any of us, right? When Jesus was being tempted in the wilderness, what did Satan do? He quoted the Bible to him. But Jesus had the Word of God way down inside of him. Well, he wrote it, so he ought to. But he had the Word of God inside of him. And when Satan came and misused the Scriptures against him, Jesus was able to take his stand based on what the Scriptures said about who he was. 
In the same way, when, you are, when you're struggling, when you're beat down, when you're discouraged, you don't, you don't need just a, a motivational speaker to come and pick you up. You need to get back into the Word of God and see what the Word of God declares about you and start believing what God says and not what your feelings say. Come on, shout amen, somebody. God, God's Word gives us God's wisdom. <clears throat> the Bible tells us who we are. But the Bible defines every aspect of our being. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. And that brings us to the next truth about the Bible. The Scriptures reveal God's will. It reveals God's will. Again, in verse 16, it says that the Scriptures are useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting. Rebuking and correcting. The Scriptures show us God's will and confronts us when we're not in it. Scripture is useful for rebuking. The Greek word is literally convicting. The most obvious way this happens is that the Word of God calls the sinner to repentance and salvation. In correcting, it literally means the restoration to an upright position or a right state. When we get out of the will of God, the Word of God brings us back on track. You may have heard of a, a guy named Rob Bell. used to be such a fantastic pastor and, and um, writer. His first book was amazing. But he got way off track theologically to the point that he, he, he now is a universalist. He believes that everybody will be saved, that there is no hell, and and so on, and he's just, he's way out there hanging out with Oprah and all kinds of stuff, and so um, he, made, he made a statement a couple of years back, uh, he was em embracing uh, the LBGTQ movement, and, and was, you know, saying that the church needed to be accepting of homosexuality and, and all of that, and, and he was saying that, it, that when we base our theology on an outdated, ancient manuscript. We will never be relevant to today's culture. We will be increasingly out of touch with today's culture. I held out hope for him until he said that. But you understand, this is, this is where we are as a culture today. It's like, well, you know, the Bible doesn't line up with what I feel is right. Therefore, the Bible must be wrong. That's not how it works, y'all. <laughs> and this is not, to, this is not to, to spread hatred to anybody. This is not an us versus them kind of thing. It's simply a statement of truth that whether the issue is homosexuality or whether the issue is gluttony or whether the issue is abuse or whether the issue is selfishness or idolatry or whatever it is, when the Word of God declares it to be true, that is our corrective that, that, is our, that is what is to check us. That is what it is to bring us back into an upright position. We don't change the Word of God. And we actually have politicians telling us now that if they get elected, they're going to punish the church if they don't change their ideas on homosexuality. But I can tell you something right now. The Word of God does not change. And if the God has to bring ravens to supply the needs of the church, we can, you can have your tax-exempt status because the Word of God will stand forever. Yes, <clears throat> and so 
the word of God corrects us. It puts us back on track. So if we want to know the will of God for our lives, we need to read the instructions. If we want to know God's will, we need to look at what God has said about the situation. If we want to truly hear from God, we must get into the Word. I believe in visions and dreams. I believe God speaks that way. I believe God speaks prophetically. But do you know the only way that God has promised to speak to every single one of us is through His Word. Psalm 119.105 says, Your Word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. It shows us the way we are to go. We cannot expect to be led in God's will for our lives if we are not getting into the Word of God. Now listen, I believe in, I believe in counselors. I, I've seen a counselor. I believe in, in godly pastoral counseling. I do some of that. I believe in getting, uh, getting uh, you know, consulting with others. I believe in all of that. But many times we go to other people trying to find the answers to our problems when we need to start just simply by getting into God's Word and seeing what He has to say about it. And so I challenge you to make the Word of God a priority in your life. To spend, even if it's five minutes a day, just setting, your, setting the tone for your day in God's Word. Let yourself fall in love with the Word of God all over again. And you'll find that God will speak to you. Finally, the Scriptures prepare us for God's work. In verses 16 and 17, again, all Scriptures God-breathed, useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So Scripture prepares us and molds us into the person God can use for His calling on our lives. We are called to good works. We're called to impact our world. Ephesians 2.8 says, It's by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it's the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Many people today are trying to find direction for their lives. Many young people, they come out of high school and they're just like, I need, I need to find myself. I need to find direction. It begins with the Word of God. This is why I'm so excited about our Bible quiz team. Getting the Word of God and that foundation in our kids' lives. But parents, I want to, I want to encourage you and to challenge you today. We can't do it for you. In other words... We can, we can give our children an opportunity to learn the Word of God. We can put them in kids' church. But parents, it is up to you to set the course for your children. It is up to you to set that example, to read the Word of God with your kids, to talk to them about the Word, or to, at the very least to let them see you studying the Word of God for yourself. One of my early memories, right after my dad got saved, dad's up in Double Springs today, but one of my early memories is right after my dad got saved is he was reading a passage and I was, he was sitting at the, at the dining room table. He probably doesn't even know I remember this. Sitting at the dining room table and he was reading a passage from the book of Matthew and he asked me what I thought about it and we started talking about it and he started just explaining 
that passage to me. And it was just an offhand conversation. It, I don't think it was anything planned. I don't think it was, you know, like, okay, I'm going to disciple my son now. It was just an offhand, off-the-cuff conversation. And that conversation has stuck with me, and I remember it. I remember it reverberating in my mind during that year that I was under conviction before I got saved. Parents, that's the impact that the Word of God can have on yours and your family's life. But we must be people of the Word ourselves. Martin Luther, back when he was struggling with some of the teachings of the Catholic Church, various abuses and doctrines and he began scouring the scriptures and he came across Ephesians 2 where it says we're saved by grace through faith. And that revelation completely changed his life and it changed the face of the church. That revelation, that one verse sparked the Protestant Reformation. If Luther had not grabbed hold of that verse, chances are we'd all be Catholic today. And so... In the same way, God's Word can change your life. It can provide the anchor and the compass you need. You may be straining to know God's will today. You may be struggling to hold on to faith because of something you're going through today. I remember a difficult time Kim and I were going through years and years ago, and she went through the house. Uh, She printed out different passages of Scripture, different verses, and had them plastered on every mirror and on the refrigerator and everywhere we went in the house so that everywhere I went, I was reminded of what God said about our situation so that I wouldn't listen to the voice of the enemy in my head telling me everything was falling apart, but I would listen to what the Word of God said, that I was the head and not the tail, that I would go above and not beneath, that God leads us into victory in all circumstances. You understand, When when you immerse yourself in the Word of God, It changes the direction of your life. So I want to challenge you today as the worship team comes. Maybe you're struggling in confusion and fear. Maybe you're struggling to find find God's will for your life today. The Word of God is the foundation on which you stand. Psalm 119 says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I want to pray with you today. If you need clarity from God... If you need direction in your life today, I just want to stand with you and pray and and agree with you and believe that God is going to speak to you today through His Word. Let's all stand together.